Welcome to Koinonia Podcast. We exist to engage the church with edifying biblical discussion that is relevant to our local church in our world today. Let's tune in in today's episode. Welcome back to Koinonia Podcast. My name is Pastor Brent, and I serve as the lead pastor at Steel Valley Church in Youngstown, Ohio. And what we're going to be discussing today is what's known as church membership. And just going through some of our convictions uh, as a church and and things that uh, are helpful to be reminded about. And I'd love to open this episode up with an excerpt out of uh, What is a Healthy Church by Mark Dever. These books are available to you on every one of our resource tables. Uh, It kind of looks like a a duct tape book um, just for effect, Uh, but it says, what is a healthy church? It goes something like this. Nose in hand, we're sitting in the church pew talking. The morning service led by ear and mouth had just ended. After the service, hand was telling nose that he and his family had decided to look for a different church. Really? Nose responded to Han's news. Why? he asked. Oh, I don't know, Han said, looking down. He was usually slower to speak than other members of the church body. I guess because the church doesn't have what Mrs. Hand and I are looking for. Well, what are you looking for in a church? Nose asked. The tone in which he spoke these words was sympathetic. Han had to think before answering. He and Mrs. Han liked Pastor Mouth and his family, and Minister of Music, Ear, meant well. Well, I guess we're looking for a place where people are more like us, Han finally stammered. We tried spending time with the legs, but we didn't connect with them. Next, we joined the small group for for all the toes, but they kept talking about socks and shoes which didn't interest us much. Nose looked at him, this time with genuine dismay. Aren't you glad they're interested in socks and shoes? Sure, sure, but it's not for us. Then we attended Sunday school for all you facial features, but everyone just wanted to talk and listen and smell and taste. It felt like, well, it felt like you never wanted to get to work and get your hands dirty. Anyway, Mrs. Hand and I were thinking about checking out that new church over on the east side. We hear they do a lot of clapping and hand-raising, which is closer to what we need right now. Hmm. Nose replied, I see what you mean. In the end, it was hard for the hands to put their fingers on it, but they finally decided that the church wasn't for them. Nose thanked the hands for taking the time to talk and continued to express sadness for their departure, and so they left. Who needed the hands? Apparently, they didn't need them. This is a excerpt out of What is a Healthy Church, uh, authored by Mark Dever, publication of Nine Marks. And this is all too common of a conversation that occurs within many assemblies of churches around the nation and world today. It's honestly a sad state of what the church has become in Western culture, a culture that has individualism ingrained in the fibers of its DNA, 
which directly affects any form of commitment or flakiness. Because after all, if an individual wants to do something, who can ever question that person? This commitment to the church has failed to resemble anything like the attitude between a husband and a wife at the altar that vows, till death do we part, sickness or health. In other words, commitment in the church seems more inclined to personal convenience and preferences rather than commitment. I do believe this to be a cultural problem at large as well, and if history proves to be accurate, we know that the problems of the culture often infiltrate God's people and become the problems within God's people. And the culture fears commitment. Because after all, what if you want to change your mind? This has even affected increased divorce rates. It's reduced traditional marriage rates. It certainly seems true even in the sacred union of marriage. And we live in a keep our options open culture. And this we see within participation uh, within even church members within an assembly. A deep relational sacred union between individual believers. In other words, while the world is writing their own story, the church is called to live out his story, which is packed full of being committed to a local church. In fact, the Bible doesn't celebrate individualism at all. The Bible paints the corporate Christian life in the one another dynamic uh, through the nation of Israel to the Christian believers in the New Testament, all the way to the consummation of all things in the eschatological end of history. Local church commitment is known in our congregation as something that's titled church membership. It's a relational and corporate vow that enters individual members into a covenant partnership together to formally represent on earth Steel Valley Church. Church membership is an important concept that our flighty culture has caused the church to respond against their grain and to define what commitment of a church is called. So I hope to dive into this discussion about church membership today. With such a discussion, I do believe that we will understand that there is nothing more option closing, as Mark Tever says, than a call of Christians to take up our cross and follow him. Between the episode today and the roundtable discussion um, and in, in the next episode, I hope that you, as, as a listener, as a church member at Steel Valley Church, or uh, maybe attendee, uh, will heed the call to commit to a single assembly because Scripture constantly refers to a single assembly. That sin is dealt with, in an, in an assembly uh, with an accountability, uh, accountability with specific leaders and vice versa, leaders to be accountable to that assembly. And in our day today, we call that, in our church, we call that church membership. It's a single assembly commitment. But we need to probably start out, kind of back up a bit to just talk about what is the church. If we want to create a chaotic issue between Christians, just get us in a room, a close quarter room together, and have us agree on the single definition of what the church is. <laughs> so, 
Some would say an assembly of believers. Others would say it's the overall assembly of believers worldwide. Some might, might even say it's the faithful ones who, who just meet in their homes uh, with other believers. Forget the, the church organization. It's all about the home-based stuff. And uh, some would maybe just say that uh, they are the church, that, that they're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and they are the church individually. Um, well, one thing I think that we can all agree on, regardless of all our varying opinions of, of what may be perceived as what the church is, we can all agree that the church looks different than it looked like in the early church, who did meet in homes, often due to heavy persecution. And it's actually known that the early church didn't even have a building for the first 300 years. However, the church isn't a building. It's not a location. It's not a cool logo or um, a group of people assembling around a celebrity pastor or whatever. The church is defined by its people. And so the New Testament authors, Luke, Peter, and Paul, specifically write to an ecclesia, assembly of believers. That's literally what the, what the, uh, the term means. And so this distinguishes uh, two realms of how we might define the church and how that assembly of believers are, are identified. You would probably have a universal sense, a worldwide of all time, the universal church. And then you would also have the local church as well. And the universal church is the overall collection of all believers worldwide, of, of believers who will enter into eternity and worship God forever. And this is the all nations, the all tribes and tongues. But uh, however, the local church is different than the universal church. It's sort of the, uh, the micro image of that macro image of the universality of a church. It's a de demarcated assembly, a micro-assembly of the overall assembly. And so I often say sometimes on Sunday morning, take a look around because this is a glimpse of heaven being assembled with other believers, worshiping God. Uh, it's a taste of heaven. And so I also personally don't view this local realm as a denomination either. I don't think Paul was writing to denominations. Um, those authors wrote to a local assembly who were relationally committed to one another, who submitted to leaders, whose leaders would be held accountable um, by the church and the church accountable to their leaders. These assemblies were not uh, also, also not unregenerate, like some social club, secular social club, like a shrine club. Um, they were set apart. And so just as God's people are, are to be set apart since the old covenant, that principle has remained within the new covenant of God's people. And so this specific discussion is founded upon the local church. It's a geographical assembly, not universal or denominations, but an assembly of a single body of converted believers. And this assembly is one that you can be included into by process of church membership or excluded from by church discipline uh, if gotten getting to the point of excommunication like you see in Titus 3, Matthew 18, and 1 Corinthians 5. 
And so the local church is a family, not just an institution, not just a shrine club, not just a book club, not a school, and etc. So looking at my own family growing up, you know, there were disagreements all the time between me and my siblings, but my sibling was my sibling. She was my sibling nonetheless, regardless of the disagreements. And so I didn't leave the family and go find another agreeable sibling. And also looking at my own marriage, my wife and I don't agree on every single thing, but we don't pack our bags and leave at, at the presence of hardship or disagreement. We work through things. We repent of our sin and we reconcile. And so the church is a similar expression of that commitment. And so in that, it is a picture of the gospel. Just as Jesus is the head of the church, so too he is the head of the family, he's the head of marriage. So let's dive in then into five reasons uh, to join a church, to be committed to a church. Um, you may know of Tom Rainer. He's sort of a big church growth strategist um, who often produces resources to equip modern churches with tools to grow their congregations uh, in various aspects, sort of like the break the 200 mark. And so I could imagine that church membership is probably something that makes him quiver because that creates a, a deeper commitment uh, that, that isn't just about numbers, but it's about shepherding. And so without church membership being marked out with a boundary line, it limits us of truly knowing who leaders are responsible for. And so we see this in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And many illustrations uh, you, can be used with uh, church membership, uh, similar to um, like a shepherd uh, with a sheepfold, and having that fence line uh, around that sheepfold and, you know, how the Bible talks about um, like a, a wolf jumping the, the fence and getting into the sheepfold. And so the, the shepherd is, is in charge of, of caring, of, of feeding and, and nourishing his sheep and, and caring well for them. And so without church membership, I think that this task of a pastor shepherd uh, would be really difficult. Without church membership, we as pastors are clueless as to which family members were to be committed to, to aid, to pray for. And even thinking about a husband being married to a wife, could you imagine a husband being married to a wife that uh, he, he doesn't even know? <laughs> Um, they, they live together, they see each other once in a while, and when it's convenient for them, they'll see each other. I mean, often in our culture today, it's comforting knowing that uh, you have options open, that if you so desire to sail on in and sail on out, like that's kind of comforting in our culture. 
like just having our options open. But I have a feeling that many of us are mistakening and minimizing what the Christian life is truly about. Is it is is that truly what it means when Jesus says to pick up your cross and follow me? Is that truly what the climate of of the early church was as they received the apostolic letters um, in their congregations? So maybe maybe you the the Christian life is your own private network, private virtues and and disciplines. You you sail in, you sail out, and and you do what you want uh, because Jesus belongs to you, because you have faith in him. But I would ask you then, who was Paul addressing in his letters? What assemblies, as we often even just read not too long ago in a series in Acts 2, where people were being added to daily? You see, I don't want us to forget this. The Christian life is a shared one another network that helps evangelize the world for Jesus Christ corporately. And so regardless of of what anyone wants to say, the Bible makes that clear. So with that, the first reason why you should join a church is for edification. The church family ought to be full of long-term residents, not short-term tenants, truly bearing with one another really tests our corporate efforts of church and what that commitment looks like. You see that in Colossians 3 of bearing with one another. So if you sail in and out, the church truly won't be able to help you at this deeper level. So for those church sailors, it would be expected for them to probably feel disconnected and kind of forgotten. If you commit to like Steel Valley Church, for instance, we will help you and partner with you and, and, and work through life's challenges. Like if you struggle with gossip and you find yourself gossiping, we'll talk to you about that. Or if you lose your assurance in your faith and you're just discouraged, you know, we, we will help you with that. And sometimes I think in, in churches, you often might say like, well, I got so many problems. I, I don't want to bring my problems to here, you know, I, you know, of everything going on in life. Well, I mean, you got to be honest. I mean, the church has many problems, and uh, we will welcome more problems. Membership is about mutual edification. I mean, think about Hebrews 10, 19. It has this therefore language and like this one another language in it. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a heart of full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is a habit for some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The beginning of edification 
in Christian life begins with being present with one another. It's simply attendance and giving yourself to prayer and service within the church. This commitment is a shared responsibility expressed by our commitment to Jesus Christ. Edification within the Christian life begins with building up the church. Church membership is the means of discipleship to love each other as Christ loved us, John 15, and to love not only with words or tongue, but in action in 1 John 3. The second reason why you should join a church is for the assurance of your faith. There's nothing more assuring of your faith than knowing that you have a dual commitment in the church as we strive to keep Christ's commands. I mean, Jesus himself reminded his disciples, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. See, when you join a church, you are asking your brothers and sisters around you to hold you accountable. In this dual commitment, you trust others to know you and allow yourself to be known by them. Diving into Colossians 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Isn't life challenging enough on our own? And the Lord knew this, which is why he called Titus to organize churches with prescriptive means of protecting the local gospel witness. There was accountability involved in the local church. And so this would challenge us to, uh, to abandon the idea that you can follow Jesus Christ on your own. Because our culture sometimes idolizes even the family over a church assembly, as if these were created to be separate, detached entities in life. The Christian life is not just about you and your personal preference and your ease. It's about Jesus Christ. And if it's about Jesus Christ, it becomes our striving, which we need that mutual encouragement constantly. The third reason why you should join a church is to protect the gospel. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So this sort of has two dimensions of it, sort of for leaders and also for members. So for leaders, if I begin, for instance, preaching a gospel about our self-righteousness, that we are righteous by our works, this would be a problem of which membership and leadership ought to address with me, according to Galatians 6.1. And so for members also, if we as Christians begin distorting that line between living for the world and living for God, the gospel is at stake. The fourth reason why you should join a church 
is to evangelize the world. If only we could imagine being committed to an assembly and seeing people added to that number daily, this would entail a missionary effort, a missionary message that in meeting and becoming members together, we meet the needs of a community and our community being Youngstown, Ohio. And even we meet the needs of the world by equipping church planting and providing disaster relief all around the world. This is done through meaningful partnerships like the IMB that has over 10,000 missionaries uh, worldwide, reaching 1,200 people groups worldwide, or even the North American Mission Board, which has five reasons, or even North American Mission Board, with five regions, with 32 send cities nationwide, or even disaster relief uh, for, from tsunamis, tornadoes, and floods all around the world. Uh, we're part of an evangelistic effort. And with that commitment of assembling, that, that effort is made visible. And so this brings about meaningful gatherings, that the gospel is made visible through church membership through that commitment. When people see us gather as Steel Valley Church, they see the move of God which proclaims the truth of the gospel. If a church's membership is invisible, how can we corporately evangelize the world? And the fifth reason why you should join a church is for the glory of God. 1 Peter 2.12 instructs the church to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, it's mentioned, let your light shine among men who will see your good deeds and praise God. John 13, love one another as I have loved you. All men will know that you are Christians by your love for one another. Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. This is not simply the growth of Christianity, but if you truly examine the pages and situations within Colossae and even Ephesus, Christ is committed to purifying and building his local ecclesia to testify to his glory. And we frantically, don't we frantically run to the hospital when we're sick? We run to the shrink when, <laughs> when we're depressed. But as Christ builds his church at a micro level, the broken world knows where to run. We saw this during COVID, and it was an amazing testimony that we are made visible to the community to serve them. So as we wrap up, I want you to know that you were called to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus. And it comes with a great responsibility and a great cost. You see, Mark Dever mentions that if the church is a building, we must be the bricks. If the church is a body, we must be members of it. If the church is a household, then we must commit to being a family just as a sheep of a shepherd and branches a part of the vine. And so we must take great care of being his bricks, his body, his members, his family. We are his church. 
We are committed members to his sheepfold and branches a part of his vine. This small micro-assembly, the local church, is a snapshot of the macro-assembly, the universal church. We cannot undermine it or neglect its God-given means of sanctification in our lives. And the Bible practically applies and expresses this commitment and makes membership honest. And when we see our church directory at Steel Valley Church, it makes it all the more meaningful. The directory at Steel Valley Church is a window for those who that I as a pastor am responsible for, who I'll give an account for. Those are the ones who who the church prays for, encourages regularly when they haven't been around, and holds them accountable if they haven't been around. Church membership is a vital component of discipleship that rubs against the grain of an individualistic culture. Church membership is the assembly of enlisted soldiers who band together as God's people and bring glory to his name. They edify the church, they protect the gospel, they evangelize the world, and bring great assurance in our sanctification. Church membership is not meant to be invisible representatives or a bunch of church sailors. If only we could love the church with the same expression of Jesus who loves the church and that he gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5. God bought his church with his own blood in Acts 20. Followers of Jesus are called to love the church. So do not just attend church. If you're from Steel Valley and you just attend, don't just attend. Take action of becoming a member of the church. And maybe it's not Steel Valley that's that's a church for you, but maybe it would be another church for you. This is a vital component of your discipleship. So vital. The church exists for the glory of God, and we unite for the sake of that glory. We are His church. Thanks for joining us today on this podcast. We'll talk to you later. This podcast is a ministry of Steel Valley Church. For more information on how to participate, visit our website at steelvalleychurch.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in.